Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 287 of the Spoiler Alert podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike. I'm here with Danny. And tonight we're going to be discussing the 2019 Guy Ritchie release, The Gentleman. Danny, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Mike. How are you doing? Why are you laughing? Did I biff up that intro the somehow? Way, no, the way you said the Guy Ritchie release just kind of <laughs> oh. made it seem dirty. It just seemed like, <laughs> I don't know, like I saw something like, ew. Like, like Guy Ritchie released just, something. All right, yeah, all right. He just got he released got this. It. Like, <laughs> Understood. It sounded awkward and weird. Yarf. Should we, re- should we, should nope. we re-record nope. that or are we going to leave I'm it gonna, as is? Okay. Let's all leave right. it. Let's lean into the awkwardness. Our right. listeners are definitely used to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this happens every every week. Yeah, yeah. We totally all have uh, quarantine madness anyway. Um, <laughs> we're you know everyone we're who reviewing, used to this podcast. We're reviewing the gentleman, so clearly we're <laughs> we're scraping the bottom of the barrel at this point. Yes, yeah. It's a relatively new release uh, <laughs> available on streaming. It's why did I have to pay six ninety nine? Why did I have to pay six ninety nine for this on Amazon? That's Prime? a fair question. Yeah, <laughs> the fact that movie rentals cost so much these days, this especially is... from somebody like Amazon, for which you already pay to have Prime, and you pay, right. just feel like you're getting they, taken to the I, I got bent over on that one. That was really stupid. Yeah, they, when, I, when I hit purchase, I was sort of already upset. Yeah, you know, but but there's not a lot of other options, right? I mean. We've talked over There's the last not. couple of weeks, yeah. you know, obviously with the, the quarantine and the COVID-19 pandemic, there's a lot of releases that have been delayed. Um, you know, the new James Bond movie, I think, was the first and certainly the largest that got moved to November. But other films have been kicked all the way into late next year. And is it still so, November or is that getting pushed beyond that already? No, it's it's still so far. So far, it's still November, and and there are a number of films that haven't moved, like Christopher Nolan's Tenet is still scheduled right now to be released in July. But I just read today that the new Tom Hanks film, Greyhound, his, his uh, submarine drama, is going to skip theaters entirely and debut on Apple+. Plus. Okay, okay. So, and I read today that the Academy Awards is already considering that they may have to postpone the Oscars. And I don't know if that is because they're concerned about getting everybody in one room or just content not being available. There's just just not a lot out there and they just don't want Birds of Prey and the emancipation (laughs) of one Harley Quinn or the fantabulous emancipation of one Harley Quinn to 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 win win Best Best Picture by default. (laughs) It's going to be that. And what was what was the the Invisible Man? That'll be nominated, yep. and yep. yeah, yeah, and onward will, uh, onward be, will be nominated. Yep. <laughs> yeah, right. Yes, like right. we can we can pick we can fill out our ballot already. Yeah. Well, and that's led certainly. I mean, you just named a number of movies we just have reviewed recently on the podcast because they are the most current releases that have been available. Uh, we just did the Hurt Locker. Uh, you know, the the Best Picture winner from two thousand nine. We've got a documentary coming next week. We've got another Best Picture winner from The Vault. Uh, and then we're going to have to figure out what happens from here because there there just isn't much coming out. We're going to start screaming through Best Pictures like crazy. It's it's going to be so, amazing. 
So let me just throw the gauntlet down to listeners. Please feel free to use the website movieoutsiders.com or to, to email us, uh, email Mike at Mike at movieoutsiders.com and let us know if you've got suggestions or films you'd like to hear us uh, take, a, take a swipe at. Otherwise, we'll probably just start kicking through some best pictures here because we're really we're really running out of fresh content. And I, I'm just not going to do stuff like, you know, the, the stuff that was going to be straight to VOD anyway. Right, you know, right, just, right, right. It was you, never gonna see the light that, of day. Do you remember that Saturday Night Live like funny commercial they did like about Netflix just constantly releasing content and about like how every time you log into Netflix, there's just more content that they've released. Like even they have to be paused now, right? Like I mean, there can't be a ton of new stuff coming out from Netflix currently. You know, there there probably is going to be less. I mean, they're so global now. They they definitely try to to brand or I think cross pollinate. So I keep getting recommendations to watch like an Israeli crime show, <laughs> you know, or the, the hottest, the hottest new drama from Croatia about a dirty cop. And it's like, well, I'm just not going to be interested. <laughs> you know, like there's a um, limit to how many right. cop shows I right. need in my life. I don't I watched you know, the, the wire show, but just, just last year. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't need to watch this new Netflix direct right. release. Right. Yeah. All right. right. Fair enough. Yeah. Well, tonight we do have uh, a Guy Ritchie film and you know, I, his, I, as we get into it, I definitely release. want to talk about yes. his, <laughs> the way you say that something about it just seems really gross, but this one is the gentleman and it's got a, I mean, I think it's sort of classic for Guy Ritchie. It's got a great cast. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for yeah. Matthew McConaughey and Hugh Grant and Charlie Hunnam and Colin Farrell. Uh, Colin Farrell. Yeah. I mean, just sort of up and down the line as you, as you look at every role here, you're like, oh, I know that person. I know that person. I know that person. Yeah. And they're all given sort of meaty, juicy, colorful gangster roles. This is another Guy Ritchie joint taking place in London, the seedy underground filled with wacky and often ridiculous characters. And it's the the story centers on Matthew McConaughey's uh, marijuana dealer who's risen through the ranks to to form a marijuana empire and decides it's time to retire. So he's looking to sell his business and just get out and enjoy the rich life with his wife. And of course, there is a whole host of uh, sort of dastardly characters who either want to do business with him or are on the make to steal his business from him through a series of double crosses, triple crosses, and schemes. Yeah. A, a body count piles up. Multiple uh, uses of the C word ensue. And I think it's a fun, entertaining, sort of ultimately forgettable way to spend 90 minutes, but it's a pretty standard Guy Ritchie affair. We're, we're stuck in, in this world anyways. So, yeah. yeah. What else why are not? you going to watch? Right, right. Yeah. What did you think? Buddy, why don't you hit us up with a quick plot recap? Oh, I, yeah. Let me start at the beginning. <laughs> you just, you launched into that one. You didn't even, you didn't even give us the, I'm going to give us a plot recap at the beginning of that one. Do you, do you want to go back and do that? Is that important to you that I prepare you for the plot? Just recap? say it and then I'll edit it back in. No, I'm just kidding. I liked this movie. I, I thought that this was, this was fun. I mean, and it's so Guy Ritchie-ish, right? Like, I mean, yeah. we've, we've joked in the past about like a Wes Anderson. You can take a, a still of this guy's movie and know that it's a Wes Anderson movie. 
Guy Ritchie might be the other director that you can absolutely, from 20 seconds of the movie, realize that it's a Guy Ritchie movie, right? Like, he is, he, he's got his flavor. Yes, but it's different, I think, from Wes Anderson, in that Wes Anderson, I really do believe you can just do a freeze frame. Sure. Like, just, not, not just so the much look here, of right. it. Yeah, correct. But Guy Ritchie, the way it's edited, his use of music, definitely his use of dialogue, the sort of strange um, sort of uh, visual asides yes. and, and, you know, kind of bonus edited content in almost like a like an Oliver Stone where just weird stuff is spliced into the I, film. I was actually going to compare it to who was the guy that did Baby Driver? Edgar Wright. Yes. It sort of reminds me a little bit more of Edgar Wright and his kind of weird stylings in, in a movie. Like that was what what resonated with me. Yeah, and that's fair. I think especially his Cornetto trilogy, but so much of his stuff, at least in the past, has been comedic. Uh, whereas Guy Ritchie is okay. really sort of focused on that gritty urban crime movie starting back in, must be 1998, Lock, Stock, yeah. and Two Smoking yeah. Barrels. And then since then, he did Snatch, he did Revolver, he did Rock and Rolla, he did uh, Sherlock Holmes 1 and 2, he did yeah. a remake of King Arthur. And then out of nowhere last year, he did Aladdin. That was like that was the most bonkers. That's actually one of our five term. questions tonight. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like of all the crazy people that Disney said, let's give it a go. What were they thinking with Guy Ritchie with Aladdin? Um, but this is pretty standard stuff. I mean, again, it it moves quickly. It's it's about a bunch of gangsters. There's a lot of wacky, witty, fast paced dialogue. None of it su- suitable to have, you know, your your grandmother in the house your kids in the house you can't look anybody in the eye while you watch this right right right. yeah yeah but everybody who's saying it seems like they're having an absolute blast um hugh grant is gives another fantastic performance where he's just chewing the scenery yeah in his role just loving the slime ball he gets to play in this movie and i thought matthew mcconaughey was awesome i would yeah i would have seen I would have watched a three-hour version of this movie, especially if he was given more of the dark, serious content that he has in a couple scenes where he seems really dangerous. I got to say, like, watching this movie, like, Oscar winner Matthew McConaughey surprised me. Like, I I just feel like, boy, I I mean, I feel like this was an Oscar-worthy role of his. I feel like he's, he's not being Matthew McConaughey. He's not playing the... Even though his whole empire is marijuana. marijuana. Yeah. Like, right, of course. <laughs> like, that's hilarious. You don't get that vibe from him this time around. And I felt like, boy, I mean, this is like, this is a step up from Dallas Buyers Club to me. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. And there's a couple of great scenes. In fact, I think my favorite scene in the whole movie was unfortunately like a fake out. You know, so I wasn't a huge fan of the artifice. The, the movie is structured largely with Hugh Grant talking to Charlie Hunnam, sort of telling a story. Right. So it's kind of flashback. It's kind of conjecture. Sort of like uh, a screenplay. Yeah, yeah they right. sort of yeah. weave it yeah. all together. But there yeah. is a scene that I thought McConaughey was awesome in. And the movie just takes this very violent, very serious turn. And then you find out that sort of like, ah, I was just 
Just kidding about that. Yeah, that didn't really happen. So that was sort of a bummer to me. And then I thought, holy cow, this thing just got great. And then that was just a fake out. And it kind of goes back to the more, you know, I don't call it light because it's all kind of dark, violent stuff. But it just sort of a breezy, isn't it fun to be a gangster even when we're killing people or someone's trying to kill us type of Guy Ritchie vibe. Yeah, and I got to say, also, I really liked Colin Farrell, and I don't like him typically. He, Agreed. like, he to me is one of those those actors that just needs to be punched in the face. Like, it, I just cannot stand him ninety nine percent of the time. And once again, I, I like just like Matthew McConaughey. I just feel like they kind of came out and and nailed it in this movie. I think that what what is what is it about Guy Ritchie that brought out the the best in? It's some douchebags, but I think that he did. Well, and there's a, a another character in the film. I, um, I think his name is Jeremy Strong is the actor. And he is, yeah, Jeremy Strong plays Matthew is the character's name. Jeremy Strong is on the HBO show Succession. And he plays an uber wealthy corporate a-hole drug addict in recovering just sniveling awful turd and here he gives another performance of like a wealthy drug dealer but he's also supposed to be like a real fashionable guy and he wears like a stupid hat and he uses he has like this really weak sounding voice i I, just like a, a whole host of very odd choices from that actor that i thought wow Richie was okay with that because it just seems like every one of those it would be like, okay, we'll do it once your way, Jeremy. Sure, let's do it that way. And then why don't we do it another – give me another take where you don't do that. <laughs> right, um, right, and then right. they just went with all of his weird choices. <clears throat> but Michelle Dockery also who plays um, Matthew McConaughey's wife, she was, of course, um, from Downton Abbey. She also chews the scene and gets to just curse like a sailor and – you know, kind of throw out some violence in a very like about face from what she's known for in Downton Abbey. So again, the, the cast here is just awesome. Everybody seems to be having a good time. I think some of the I loved her, and, and yeah. I've never seen Downton Abbey, so I, I, that's I I knew that I'd seen her before. Like I've seen her face before. I thought she was fantastic. Yeah, everything looks great. The fashion looks cool. The cars are cool. The the like homes and apartments they live in are cool. I like a lot of the music cues. I know it was just a few episodes ago we were talking about, oh, it's Birds of Prey. We were talking about sort of the the more obvious, you know, like almost like a film student aping Scorsese during the action scene right, where you drop, right, yeah. you know, um, Barracuda or something. And yes. I think Guy Ritchie uses music in a really fun way. And he chooses very he really different does, music. Yeah. Very, it, you, it's stuff you don't, no, yeah, and and that was actually one of my first notes in the movie. Like, I wish that they'd have actually shown in the opening scene. Matthew McConaughey goes into you know a bar and puts a forty five on the jukebox, and you don't get to see what the label is, so you don't know the song, you don't know the artist. But I loved the music. It's a great, and song. I wished like, why didn't I get to see the artist and the song? This this is something that I would download, and of course with. Google, we can figure that out. But still, like, I, I wish that we would have seen that. And I don't know why Guy Ritchie made the decision to actually not show the label on the 45 that Matthew McConaughey puts on at the bar. Right. 
you know, the, the things that I, I wasn't a huge fan of, and I guess they're just sort of standard flaws for me in a lot of Guy Ritchie films is it does seem like it's all just a bit breezy and a, a bit throwaway. And hmm. there's so much attention put into the port into the screenplay on having multiple factions and those double crosses and triple crosses and reversals. Sure. And yeah. you think yeah. someone's a good guy and then they turn the corner and know they're the bad guy, but they were also being, you know, toyed with and manipulated by the real bad guy. Who's the guy behind the guy. And it's just, yeah, it gets a little tired. And if he had, if he had kept this a little more simplistic, if he left, instead of there being like five different factions, if there were just two or three, you <laughs> right. could make a really compelling crime drama that I would be really interested in, in this story and these actors and even these characters. And instead he just, he keeps it so light and bubbly and kind of fast paced that it, it just becomes a bit frivolous and a bit um, impermanent, I guess, for me. I don't know how else to say it, but I, I, th- I think that that's really fair, and and I agree with all of that. I, I, I felt the same thing throughout. You know, it the movie clips along really easily. Like you, you don't feel the need to pause and take a breath, but it does seem a little bit throwaway. I think the thing that needs that I needed to pause and take a breath with, boy. Those accents are really severe. Like I, I, I really felt like closed caption would have been the way to watch it because they're heavy. Like the the the, the Western European accents are pretty thick. Well, and not to skip to what's up with, but Charlie Hunnam, uh, who who plays uh, Raymond, sort of Matthew McConaughey's second-in-command. He is British, but he sounds like he has a terrible British accent. Now, maybe it's because he was on Sons of Anarchy for all those years and he played you know, a Southern California guy with an American accent. And so I'm just so used to him not having an accent. But boy, he sounds like he's really putting on just the worst British accent you've heard. Like, like Kevin Costner bad, but that's his real accent. <laughs> Like, like Kevin Costner, like putting, like doing the East, like the Massachusetts accent, like in what was that? What was the movie? Days. Thirteen. God, he's so bad, he's so bad. Well, it's he's just, also Robin Hood, and every once in a while, I just like every eighth word he tries to throw in the British accent, just not good. What's up with how how much Raymond looks a lot like the president's biographer in House of Cards? Wow. Who's doing a, a House of Cards reference these days? I mean, I feel like it's been a hashtag while. Me Too too soon. You keep, we're not even allowed to talk about that. Show I'm not anymore. allowed to talk about that. Never no, mind. Sorry. No, Scratch Kevin that. Spacey I will edit that dead out. To all of us, you can't even reference that. It's also just like three years since anyone saw House of Cards. You're just catching up <laughs> was, now, though. Wasn't it just a year was, ago that the final that the final season was released? It was just a year ago, right? Maybe, but that was even. Frank Underwood less, right? That had no Kevin Spacey, so he hasn't Correct. been on in yeah. two or three years. Yeah. It sounds yeah. like you're just catching up in quarantine. <laughs> Gonna start hitting us with like a bunch of Boston legal have, references. Have you heard of this or, show Mad Men? Yeah, yeah. Have you real heard of this thing? Right. stuff, yeah. <laughs> Man, I just found this new one, 30 Rock. I get I think it's a laugh ride. It's great. <laughs> Uh, so what is up with how good Hugh Grant is in this movie and how good he's yeah. been at this stage in his career? I will go to my grave singing the praises of Paddington 2, which I swear yeah. I enjoy more than my children. 
But Hugh Grant, you still keep telling me about that. Like, Hugh I need Grant to see this. Movie. I've never seen Paddington. I need oh to see gosh. Paddington too. You yeah. have to see both of them. But see Paddington one, you'll love it. But Paddington two, <laughs> Hugh Grant is an absolute delight. He's, I I can't wait. It, it might right. be the role of a lifetime for him. I think it's just fantastic. And do yourself a favor and stay through the credits of that one. You're gonna be oh uh, good. Be okay, glad you all right. We got a post credit scene, a little yeah, blooper yeah. reel yeah. or something like yep. that. All right, yep. so. Sounds good. What's up with them blackmailing Hugh Grant's boss by drugging him into having intercourse with a pig? That really I mean, took this we've movie all been to there. a different <laughs> I mean, if, that's just one of those common <laughs> run-of-the-mill, everybody's been that situation type of I mean, if you've if you've been blackmailed, you've You've probably had sex with a pig. Right. Yeah. <laughs> What's up with the group of toughs who decide to break into the marijuana farm and steal a bunch of product and film themselves beating up some guys and then make a rap music video they turned about it? Into a it. Video. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I, I mean, it was a great video. And yeah. then the plot hinges on that video quote going viral do videos like that go viral is it just that easy i mean it just makes it seem like the entirety of humanity will watch anything this this is very 2019 i guess today i'd have a better sense that that could go viral right like well what else are you gonna watch probably Uh, a video of people stealing the heck out of yes yeah right yeah all right all right I guess touche, but seems odd. Buddy, are you ready for five questions? Um, this sure. episode has been very tight so far. I feel like this one's gonna this is gonna we're gonna come under the thirty minute mark Let's here unless you really think through <laughs> these questions. Let's do and it. And I take my good honest time asking them. Question number one. Can you believe Guy Ritchie's ex-wife Madonna is 61 years old? Um, that is a bit shocking. Both that she's Guy Ritchie's ex-wife and that she's 61. Yeah, that's a shock to me. It, it was a shock to me. Claire actually asked me in the car the other day why we were talking about Madonna. I mean, clearly a Madonna song came on. and Or, oh, I think we were playing Heads Up. And the clue was Madonna. And Claire asked, how old is Madonna? And I said, I, I don't know, maybe 50? Like, and so when I looked it up later that night, I was like, you've got to be kidding me. She's yeah. 61 years old. Yeah, yeah, that's that was shocking to me. So did she get her British accent when she married Guy Ritchie? Because <laughs> I, I think I she doesn't know. have it anymore, right? Like, it was just like that's a weird, weird multi-year period where she sort of had a British accent. Yeah. Yeah, okay. that's that's odd, right? Yeah, like that was that was a weird a weird stage for her. Yes. Question number two: Did Guy Ritchie honestly direct the live action Aladdin? He did. He this did, so and it's rumored bizarre. there's going to be an Aladdin too, and that he might direct it again. I mean, well, wow. And he did fine. You know, I mean, that movie is fine. I think he he yeah. stifled a lot of his Guy Ritchie ness for it. Appropriately so, of course. 
Right. Um, but that, just that, that was not a movie that I would have pegged as a Guy Ritchie movie. No. Okay. Uh, question number three. This movie uses the word Chinaman multiple times in the final scene and was henceforth scolded by Manola Dargis of the New York Times for doing so. What's the most racist term you've ever used out loud? <laughs> That's a fair question. And one I really want to go into depth uh, in answering. Right. But- I, need, I need to hear them all. They just, I mean... How about you say them all and then let our listeners decide which was the worst? Every time for the rest of my life when I hear anyone say the words Chinaman, I will always think of the Big Lebowski. The Big Lebowski, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And yeah. that little exchange <laughs> between John Goodman and Jeff Bridges <laughs> and how the Coen brothers 20 plus years ago taught us all how racist that term was. In the most effective way you possibly could. Right. <laughs> yes. Well Well done, Coen brothers. Thank yeah. you. Um, question number four. Who sings that last song in the final scene? Is that the animals? I really like that song and I want to know who sings it. Oh, great question, listener. I don't know, but I'm confident within 70 seconds or so, our friends Google on that. the internet yeah, could, could yeah. answer that for you. There okay. are a lot of good songs. Uh, I actually was considering looking up the soundtrack for a couple of them uh, or shazamming them uh, if I wanted to restart the film but there are a couple of really good tracks in there yeah I I totally agree Uh, well curated soundtrack final question Hugh Grant after his early career sex scandal had famously appeared on the tonight show where Jay Leno asked him what the hell were you thinking to which Hugh Grant famously responded I think you know in life what's a good thing to do and what's a bad thing, and I did a bad thing, and there you have it. Is there any better answer to somebody involved in a scandal than that? That's a pretty good uh, pretty good response, and it's almost quaint that that was the type of scandal that people got embroiled in years ago, right? Like, yeah, right, right. And he was in, like, I mean, what was it? jail like, for he, a while. It was, it was, like, oral sex from a prostitute or something yeah, like that. I don't yeah. remember quite like, what picked the up deal a hooker. was. Okay. Yeah. okay, all right. And it's like, again, we, I think most people presume that Hollywood is not sort of squeaky clean and that people have proclivities that we right. don't know about and like this one we knew about and suddenly that was that was an absolute huge mess and it I don't say it derailed his career but he spent a long time sort of grooming this rom-com lovable you know uh, persona and that just got thrown in its face by uh, by that scandal right Today, and, and what yet, would you rate, rate that scandal today on a scale of like one to ten? Today, I mean, back then it was like I, I an mean, eight. Is it now like a two? Right, right, right. I don't, I don't even know if it hits the radar anymore. Yeah. Right, like I mean, what? I mean, look at what the daily headlines are. Every day. I, I mean, like every single day, President of the United States. Like, I, I mean, this, this doesn't even. Yeah, this politicians all over the place, celebrities all yeah. over the place, Hollywood right. producers, right? I mean, it's right. It's right. just a Caligula is running our society these days in general. So like, everyone's like a turd. Has the has the COVID disease like had any like who who benefits so much from the pandemic? It's it's celebrities who just want their name out of the headlines right now. You know, right? I, I read an article the other day about how, given the pandemic, you know, obviously a number of things will change in our society for at least a while, 
right? Like it'll be a while before people feel comfortable going to a movie or getting on a plane to fly internationally, right? Maybe you get on a plane sure. to fly a couple hours to see your family, but but maybe not taking that dream vacation to Venice hour, yeah, right, right now. Right yeah, now. Right, right. Um, but also, you know, the whole idea of going back to work in an office for, for many people who are working from home just seems strange. The idea of like, oh, we're all going to get together and we're going to cram into little buses and trains and go to these huge stacked office buildings and be right on top of another. And someone was, was saying what a great benefit it will be to companies to not do that because the amount of sexual harassment is going to plummet <laughs> because there's no one in the office to be harassed. And so right. like the right. sexual harassment claims should go down. The, the legal liability should be vastly reduced. So while you might be, if you're a company, you might be paying for an office you're not using. You might be saving money depending on how disgusting your employees have typically been. <laughs> like if you're like Matt Lauer's team at NBC News right now, right. you're sort of like, you know what? Let's just keep working from home. No big deal, right? Save yeah, ourselves. We're, we're, all, we're all doing okay. Yeah, yeah, save ourselves yeah, asshole. Yeah. Harvey, Harvey Weinstein's family is like, we've had no bad news this month. Right. This is fantastic. Oh, yeah, last yeah. what's up with, at the end of this movie, Hugh Grant's character comes out of... <laughs> uh, Seeing a, a, a producer's office and it's a Miramax. It's just grown in. And I just saw, yeah. yeah, you saw Miramax and it's like, ooh, yuck. <laughs> and I just had to laugh. You know, like, wow, just seeing that right. name, I haven't seen it in so long. And the connotation is just nasty. Now. But it, it is a Miramax movie, right? Like, wasn't that the opening? Oh, I, I, I swear that the, I think that it's a whoever produced the movie they used Miramax as the logo at the beginning, and Crazy. that was chuckle inducing. Yeah, well, yeah, check your yeah. papers on that one. Right. Well, okay. anyway, I thought the gentleman. Uh, I thought it was fun. I thought it was pretty breezy. Uh, the cast is great. They all had a great time. Fun music gets a little throwaway and. Um, yeah. Uh, repetitive, but again, if you're just looking for something to kind of while away, you know, a Thursday night on lockdown, I think you can do a lot worse than this. You can't say it's breezy. That totally that negates, negates the, the breeziness. Yeah. Right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, I completely agree with you, Danny. I, I thought that this is fun, and uh, I doubt that I'll watch it again. But it's certainly something worth. I don't know. Was it worth six ninety nine? Maybe maybe two ninety nine was a better price on Amazon Prime. But whatever. But but now now sure. we're just nitpicking. We're nitpicking. You're nitpicking. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah com- right? well, well, coming. What up, do we got coming up next? Coming up next, we have a documentary called Spaceship Earth. And 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 hold on, hold on. Don't hang up yet. Don't don't stop the podcast. Um. So this is one I chose. I encourage anyone who's out there who's interested to go check out the trailer for this movie. It looks insane and it's about the biosphere 2 project that when i was a kid this was big national news these were people who were gonna lock themselves in this kind of giant terrarium for two years and and sort of live totally self-contained so they can prove that that self-sustainability is is possible and kind of figure out what science would have to do to do that and then i never heard what happened like they went into the castle, you know, the capsule, and I just never heard how it ended. And so this is a documentary now about you get what to happened. See. So yeah. I've been jazzed to check this movie out and to talk about it. But this trailer looks just cray cray. Uh, so I certainly encourage everyone to check it out and to check out our next episode in which we will discuss it. Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. 
Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com, where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.